What's going on, youth workers? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. So glad to be with you today. And if you're following along with the drama that is my life uh, from week to week, uh, I did get some movement in the job area. So somebody's been praying out there, and I want to thank you very much for your prayers because they matter. Uh, they do things, and then God acts. So let's keep up the prayers. Um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm just continually making content um, and doing some things. Catch me over on Instagram, by the way, if you don't follow me over there. I'm going to be answering some youth ministry questions over there. So uh, that's Instagram.com slash The D Project. I'll put a link down in the description below. And this week's episode is going to be interesting. It's going to be, uh, I don't know, i got a fire in my belly about this thing because of some things I've read and some things that I have uh, been pondering about, about discipleship and youth ministry. So hang on to your seats. You might want to get into a comfortable place, grab a seatbelt, something like that. Before we jump into today's episode, this episode is brought to you by the Disciple Project Outreach Manual. It is my flagship product that uh, I created a while back, but it stands the test of time because it's built on principles, not built on fads or trends. So if you're ready to admit that meetings are not the answer, then be ready to start a movement. You can grab this product. There'll be a link down in the description below, but it will literally get students out of their seats and doing the gospel. And if that is something you're interested in and starting a movement in your youth ministry, uh, be sure to go ahead and click the link down in the description below. And it is the first half of the book is all based on my uh, theology of discipleship, my philosophy of discipleship and youth ministry. You can check that out. It is packed with, and I'll be including some of that in today's episode, uh, actually. And um, and check it out for yourself. It In the whole second half is of the book is about how to do a disciple project. It is both a book and a manual. It's not just something you read. It is actually something you plan on doing with your students. So check that out. You can go to thedisciplesproject.net to get more uh, information on that, or you can just click the link down below if you're ready to make a purchase. And I hope you are. Hope you're ready to change and revolutionize the way you do discipleship in your youth ministry. All right, that is it about me and my stuff. Today, I want to go out on a limb here and talk about why the church is failing. And I want to frame this in three quotes from the article. And I'm going to leave a link to the article down below because context is everything. Who is talking is everything. And all the other stuff matters as well. So uh, I don't want you to think I'm just pulling out stuff. But these are the things, these are the quotes that stood out to me that really speak to the dilemma the church is facing uh, with either churches closing or stagnation or whatever you want to call it. A little bit of background about me in regards to the things I'll be sharing is I grew up Catholic and I didn't know it at the time, but I was becoming a disciple of the Catholic church. Being a disciple of the Catholic church or any other church is not the same as being a disciple of Jesus. I think we can all agree upon that. Churches have philosophies, ideologies, and strategies for growth. But I would contend that real discipleship was really killed on the altar of church growth because churches wanted to grow faster, and so they did not put a lot into the process 
of discipleship. Now, when I say I grew up Catholic, I went through the whole process, went through confirmation class, and confirmation is not just limited to the Catholic Church, uh, Presbyterian, Methodist, so forth and so on, also have confirmation classes. And uh, the process of that uh, was, for me, was the fact that it was all knowledge and it was all just answering questions and you were checking boxes. And by the way, I love the Catholic Church. I would still be a Catholic today if there was more doing and less teaching. If it wasn't just about checking the boxes, then, you know, I'll get into this later, but community and actually doing things that were valuable at a younger age, I would certainly be Catholic today because I would have, I would have committed myself to it, I, you know, to the idea and to the gospel and to the fact that the church was, you know, doing more than just teaching me how to be a good Catholic or having right doctrine. But all churches do this, not just the Catholic church. We teach facts. We teach, um, you know, what you need to know uh, if there was a test. And, you know, if you know those things, then you are in good and right standing. Now, on to the article. I read the article from The Atlantic called The Evangelical Church is Breaking Apart by Peter Wainer, I want to say. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And it really nails that I have what I've been saying all along, that youth ministry needs to come up with a new way to make disciples of Jesus and less ways of making disciples of youth group. In my book, The Disciple Project, uh, I talk about the difference between youth group and youth church and the essence between the two are different. It's not, I don't think it's semantics. I think there's a underpinning philosophy behind the two. And uh, I think you'll, you'll know that when I begin to compare here. So in my book, I say the difference between youth group and youth church is this. Youth groups exist for themselves. Youth church exists to glorify God. Youth groups make human or moral standards the only standard. Youth church has the Bible as its standard. Youth groups have random activities. Youth church plans on purpose to fulfill uh, goal number one, which is to glorify God. Youth groups are held together by common interests. Youth church is held together by shared values. Youth groups invite students to be one of them. Youth church invites members to be like Jesus. Now, feel free to disagree. It's a free country. Feel free to disagree, but that is my my ideology. That's you know that flows out of 30 years of youth work of trying to make disciples and not just make members of a group. And and once again, I'm not going to unpack all of those. Uh, I write about it extensively in my book, where you can kind of go through and see kind of my process in my mind. But the whole point of this is that youth groups. If you have a youth group, it's producing one thing. If you have a youth church. It, it's another. If you have a grounded theology, you have good practices. Once again, it doesn't mean whether your youth ministry is successful or not successful. It, it doesn't mean it grows or it doesn't grow. It means that you are producing what you are setting out to produce. And mostly that's in the minority, right? It is the minority because we see the minority in scripture. We see the fact that disciples were fewer than the crowds. And the point of me making the comparisons is simply to ask you, youth workers, to say, look, what are you doing? Are you running a youth group or are you running a youth church? And I believe one is separate from the other. And that has a lot to do with how we make disciples. Because if we're making a youth group and we're just trying to keep kids coming, 
then that's one thing. That's one way. That's that's a different way forward than if you say, look, we're we're the church. We're not just some youth group, but we are the body of Christ. Well, then that's a whole nother deal. And the outcomes, I believe, are different. Now, in the quotes that I'm about to read, you'll hear this word catechism. And it's a word I heard growing up because it, you know, I being, you know, doing confirmation, I would go to, uh, you know, catechism class. Uh, and I would, you know, sometimes when I lived in New York, I'd walk like six blocks, eight blocks to the church to go do that. And then when I lived in Florida, you know, for my confirmation, I was driving. So I would drive to class and so forth. And, you know, catechism simply means if you're not familiar with the word, it's a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used for the instructions of Christians. And uh, a more secular version would be a rote response or formulaic statement to predetermined questions. Now, so when, I, when you hear the word catechism, this is what you're, what you're hearing. But I believe catechism can be a good, I mean, I know it has a negative connotation for a lot of people, but it doesn't for me in the, in regards to what it is, it is in the fact that it didn't turn into more that my catechism, my confirmation didn't turn into more because the, the vessel, uh, the church did not implement good community and relational, uh, practices based on that, that would have gotten me from, you know, you know, doing, you know, remembering the stuff into doing the stuff, which would have, which would have gotten me further, I believe. And once again, probably would have kept me uh, as a faithful Catholic to this day. Now let's go ahead and get to the quotes here. And in the quotes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and categorize them into the three areas of why I think churches are failing. The first one is a lack of catechism, a lack of instruction, a lack of process a lack of addressing the right question. And once again, if you're running a youth group, you're answering one kind of question. If you're running a youth church, you're answering another kind of question, I believe. And the quote is this from the, from the article, what we're seeing is a massive discipleship failure caused by massive catechesis failure. James Ernst, the vice president and editor-in-chief at Erdman's, a publisher of religious books, told me, Ernest was one of the several figures I spoke with who pointed to catechism, the process of instructing and informing people through teaching as the source of the problem. The evangelical church in the U.S. over the last five decades has failed to form its adherents into disciples. So there is a great hallowness. All that was needed to cause the implosion that we have seen was a sufficiently provocative stimulus. And that stimulus came. And what I believe uh, the article is talking about, the fact of politics and the political uprising where politics basically took over as the church of choice rather than the actual church. And so in doing this, so many students in my opinion, leave youth programs because there is no journey to take, no end game, just meetings and occasional events meant to show how much youth group is fun, why you should come to it. And students are asking a deeper question. They're saying, where is this going? Where is this youth program going? And what is it supposed to be doing for me? And, and if we don't have an answer for them, well, then they're going to check out. And it goes back to that little phrase, that little phrase within this quote that you may have caught it, uh, you may have not caught it, but it says there is a great hollowness. So there is a great hollowness. And I think in youth groups, there is a tremendous amount of hollowness, spiritual hollowness within the philosophy of a youth group that says, look, I just want you to, I just want you to come, 
be a part. I got to have the numbers. Uh, you know, we're, yes, we're going to talk about Jesus, but you know, more importantly, you need to be here and, uh, and we're going to have as much fun as possible so that you will stay here for a long time. Now that's once again, uh, if you, if this is your philosophy, if you're hearing this and you feel some conviction over it, that's good. Conviction is good. I am not trying to paint broad strokes because there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always folks, some, a lot of you folks are doing discipleship very, very well, but I, but I want to be able to put across that there's a lot of youth groups that are not doing discipleship. Well, they are, they are trying to tread water on a philosophy of just keep coming and we're going to keep cranking up the machine and hopefully you're going to have a good time and hopefully you're going to accept Jesus and hopefully you're going to become a follower of Jesus until the day you die. And I think once again, it goes back to uh, youth group versus youth church. Youth church has a plan for that. It's, it is the intention and the students understand and know the intention of the youth church because they are part of it and you are helping them to explain what it, what they're going to become going forward, that the intention is we want you to become a strong follower of Jesus, not just come and enjoy the youth program. Yes. Should we have, once again, somebody's going to email me or text me and say, oh, Paul, you're saying we shouldn't have games and it shouldn't be fun. Not at all. I think youth church and youth group both have games. I say the intention behind uh, those can be different. That if the games are just to keep kids coming, uh, versus, hey, we're having games because we're the church and we have fun. I think the intention behind that is very, very different. So let's move on to the second quote. And I'm going to label this, as I labeled the first one, a lack of catechism. There's a lack of of focus and process within a youth group. Uh, there's another uh, you know process there, which is self or culture catechism. And the quote is this, culture catechizes. Alan Jacobs, a distinguished professor of humanities in the honors program at Baylor University, told me culture teaches us what matters and what views we should take about what matters. Our current political culture, Jacobs argues, argued, has multiple technologies and platforms for catechizing television, radio, Facebook, Twitter and podcasts among them. People who want to be connected to their political tribe, the people they think are like them, the people they think are on their side, subject themselves to its catechesis all day long, every single day, hour after hour after hour. Now, listen, you've heard books called the Bible, other than the Bible, right? You have the gun Bible or the cooking Bible, and that is to represent a canonized set of principles and doctrines you should know in that particular field. Students are writing, creating their own catechism that fits their narrative. And in that catechism, you know, they are including, you know, it's filled with doctrines basically, right? That's what catechism is. It's filled with these doctrines and principles that are life guiding. And inside those self-made catechisms, they have the book of politics, the book of sex, the book of science, and then a little small book called The Book of Religion, which is filled as, with as many quotes from Gandhi, Adele, Kanye, Trump, uh, as there are from Jesus. Students are finding their tribe outside the church. It used to be that church was where a student could find their tribe, but churches do community and relationships so poorly these days. The drift is bound to happen, and it was bound to happen. In addition, churches are not loving their neighbors outside the church well. Students are taking note of that fact that the one thing that the church is known to be, 
right? What they're known for is loving others doesn't meet their own standard. Another reason to find a tribe outside the church. The third and final quote I'm going to label media catechism. And the quote is this, that's not a problem limited to the faithful on one side of the aisle. This is true of both the Christian left and the Christian right, Jacob said. People come to believe what they are most thoroughly and intensively catechized to believe. And that catechesis comes not from the churches, but from the media they consume, or rather the media that consumes them. The churches have barely better than a snowball's chance in hell of shaping most people's lives. Now, if that is not a damning critique of the church, I don't know what is. But but that last line, the churches have barely better than a snowball's chance in hell of shaping most, most people's lives. Well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Media is a problem. We all agree with that. We don't, I hear so many times about how can I get my kids to give up their phones and so forth. That's, that's fine. But media and technology isn't the problem. Smartphones and the internet is not the problem. Not having a reliable way to filter these messages and equipping students with that filtering message called the Bible, called scripture, uh, that is the real problem. I want to recommend Center for Parent Youth Understanding. They have a great episode uh, and resources on, on, on this subject of equipping students to face culture. And I'll put a link down in the show notes below. Uh, and they have great resources and all kinds of things to help them do that. So, but even a greater problem is that the church seems to have given up shaping people's lives. Shaping requires time, relational energy, and change. But the church has to keep that machine running. Otherwise, pastors are out of a job. And so those choices are never made because the machine has to keep running and we don't have time for that. We've got to keep things uh, rolling. We've got to keep the crowds coming in. We've got to keep momentum. Listen, I don't, I don't doubt that you have to have momentum. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jesus had momentum every time he did a miracle, every time he fed the 5,000, every time he got up to speak. You know, there's other ways Jesus didn't sacrifice. In other words, Jesus didn't sacrifice the relational part of discipleship for the momentum making that is needed to build the church. And I say that in quotes, uh, but there has to be a fine balance of that. And there will be some trade-offs that when you choose to do relational ministry, uh, some things uh, will go undone. And, and that hurts maybe that you don't get an extra 100 people in the doors this year. I don't know. Once again, I've never been a senior pastor, but I've been in enough churches that I understand the process. I understand the pressure. I heard it every week at a staff meeting. I get it. But I also know that, that a lot of the problems that I saw within the churches in which I served is that the discipleship process boiled down to a class versus life-shaping relationships and a process going forward that gave people a catechesis, a catechism by which to follow to says, this is who we are. This is the process. This is what we're doing. So listen, these are my thoughts. And these quotes I'm reading, they're from smarter people than I. So take my thoughts with a grain of salt. My hope is that I've challenged you. I've challenged you to take time to create your own catechism, to look at your youth ministry. And by answering the questions above that we just talked about, maybe youth group, youth church, 
which is that, that maybe you're comparing that then, taking that and saying, I'm going to compare this, this model I have going to my calendar. Ask yourself then, go through that list, youth group or youth church, and then compare your calendar to that and ask yourself, am I intentionally making disciples? Is everything I have on the calendar and everything, is it match up with my catechesis? Whatever that is, whether that's my catechesis or your catechesis, whatever the standards you've set forward, that mission, vision, whatever it is, whatever statements you got, is it lining up to make disciples? And I'm not talking about education. I'm not talking about the, the teaching. I'm talking about the doing, the process, all that kind of stuff. Ask yourself, am I making disciples in our youth ministry? And if I'm not, what do I have to change. So my encouragement is find a process of discipleship that includes doing and not just hearing that works for your youth ministry. And then maybe you'll have better than a snowball's chance in hell of shaping a student's life. And that is it for today's episode coming in hot today. I hope that I didn't step on your toes too hard. Just know that I'm sharing this in love, sharing it as my passion, sharing it because that's what I want to see for youth ministries. I want you to be making disciples and not just uh, temporary uh, seat holders in your church and that those young people grow up shaped by the gospel and by the Holy Spirit and by the influence that you've had on them to then become great members of your church leaders, pastors, deacons, ministers, etc., etc. If you enjoyed today's episode, can I encourage you to go over to iTunes, leave a review, give me some stars, and uh, let me know what you think of the program as well. I'm going to put it out there. My number again is 205-260-7229. Feel free to send me your feedback and let me know. Do you have a question for an upcoming episode? Maybe it's something you're dealing with. Feel free to text me that and uh, I'll do a whole show around it. So that is it for today, guys. Appreciate you being here. And once again, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, I'm telling you, you're doing a good job. Yes, even after this episode, even though I may have stepped on a few toes, even though I've maybe hurt your feelings somewhere. Let me tell you something. I still love you. I'm just challenging you to build a successful youth ministry by making more disciples. That is it for today, guys. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.